I'm sure if you're a parent and you have you know, children that are, that are in school, I'm sure you're out of your routine as well. And so what that means for me is, unlike normally when I, I don't have much time for, uh, to watch TV shows, I've been uh, binge-watching uh, Doctor Who on BBC. Any Doctor Who fans? Anybody? Y'all are like, what is this? What is he talking about? And so what I've, what I've noticed as, I, as I've gotten into this is Brittany and I will be sitting there watching it, and we're like, okay, we really have to go to bed. Just one more episode. Just one more. Just one more. Well, what happens at the end of that episode, that one more episode that we watch? It leaves right on a, it ends on a cliffhanger. And so then we look at each other and say, well, we can't stop here. We've got to stay up and watch the next one. And so that's the curse of having a DVR is you have all the episodes of your favorite show right there. What about movies? We know movies like that too, right? Where it leaves you on a cliffhanger. Why? Because it's setting up for the next one. Here, I'll give you one that y'all probably should know, and that's Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, the very end, Han Solo, frozen in carbonite. Come on, y'all, y'all, just, y'all don't know what's good. Come on. I've given a modern reference. I've given an old reference. Come on. I'll start using westerns then. I know if I use westerns, Yeah, yeah, Gunsmoke. I don't think I've ever seen an episode where it leaves off on a cliffhanger, though. They always end it nice and tidy. So at the end of, the end of Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, Han Solo's frozen. Is he alive? Is he dead? We don't know. You've got to watch the next one. They do that because they're setting up for the sequel. They're setting up for the sequel. Now, if the book of Acts were a movie... It would be epic. I mean, it would be so epic because you start with a few guys of this religion. They're these followers of this guy named Jesus. And they turn the world literally upside down with their message. How on earth could that happen? How could you have guys from one city go then and turn the world upside down? Well, it all starts with Jesus telling them he's about to ascend. He's about to leave them. And he says, you're going to receive power. The Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to empower you so that you will be my witnesses. And then from there. They go forth boldly proclaiming what God has done in Jesus The Holy Spirit comes, He orchestrates events so that the Gospel spreads to every part of the known world at that time. It does it so well, that the Gospel spreads so well that you could almost say it was miraculous, because it was. It was victorious. But here we are at the end of the book of Acts. The end of the book of Acts, and it ends with a cliffhanger. For the, the latter part of the book of Acts is, is Paul appealing. He, he's been arrested and he's, he's trying to appeal to them saying, I've done nothing wrong. And finally he appeals to Caesar. 
They ship him off to Rome, and the book ends not telling us what happens to Paul. In fact, it ends kind of strange, as we'll see in just a moment. It ends on a cliffhanger. And the point of the ending is for us to realize, for the reader to realize, that the book is not over. More specifically, the mission of the book does not end, but it continues. In fact, the main thing we're going to see this morning is that the mission of the book of Acts, listen, still continues to this day. We are living as the last chapter of the book of Acts. So join with me as we read Acts 28, starting in verse 17. And please stand as we honor the reading of God's Word. After three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews. And when they had gathered, he said to them, Brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet... I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. When they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and speak with you since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. And they said to him, we have received no letter from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you. But we desire to hear from you what your views are. For with regard to this sect, they're talking about Christianity, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in greater numbers. From morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying the kingdom of God, and trying to convince them about Jesus from both the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. And disagreement among themselves, they departed. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will indeed hear but never understand. You will indeed see but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore let it be known to you that, their, that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, they will listen. Now listen to the ending. This is the very end of the book of Acts. This is how the great narrative of the book of Acts comes to an end. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Father, help us to see our mission from your word as we enter into a new year, as we, as is our custom, take time to ponder our lives and ponder how we can improve our lives for the coming year, as we make resolutions, as we make new plans. Lord, help us as your people. Help us as your people to remember, to refocus on the mission that you have put us on, the mission that you are on. And Father, as we do this, I pray 
as we focus in on the mission, Lord, I pray that we would treasure you above all else. In Jesus' name, amen. So the, the mission of the book of Acts is still going on 2,000 years later. And, and, and from this passage, there's three applications that I think that we can make for our lives here 2,000 years later as we're on this mission. And the first one is, we should use the opportunities, make the most of the opportunities that God gives us. That God gives us. Why is Paul in Rome? Paul's in Rome because uh, he was arrested. The Holy Spirit orchestrated that Paul go to Rome. The Jewish leaders want Paul dead, but they needed Roman consent. They just can't take this guy and kill him. They need the Romans to sign off on it and to do it. Well, Paul was a Roman citizen. So the Romans didn't really want to execute him. Paul was afraid that the Romans would hand him over just to keep the peace. Sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? That's what happened with Jesus. And so Paul, as a Roman citizen, appeals to the highest authority of the Roman Empire that he can. He appeals to Caesar. Now, as he does that, something interesting is said uh, by the authorities that have him in Acts 26. They said that Paul would have actually gone free had he not appealed to Caesar. He was afraid that they were going to kill him, and so he appeals to Caesar, and then it turns out they're like, well, we were about to let you go, but now we can't. You appealed to Caesar, so now we've got to ship you to Rome. This is, what, uh, this is what it says. And when they had withdrawn, they said to one another, this man is doing nothing to deserve death or imprisonment. Yes, that's right. And Agrippa said to Festus, this man would have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. Now, just imagine yourself if you were Paul in that moment. Just, just, just put yourself in his shoes for a second. You're like, I would be free right now had I not made the decision to do that. We can resonate with that, can't we? We can resonate. I mean, how many of you have made just dumb decisions in the past? By a show of hands. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Y'all don't have to put your hands up. Notice what happens here. The Holy Spirit uses Paul's, quote, dumb decision to send the Gospels, to send the greatest missionary that the world has ever known to the farthest reach at the time. So what that means for us, listen, God actually uses our not-so-great decisions. God uses our not-so-great situations to accomplish His purposes. You might be here this morning thinking, I am not worthy. God cannot use me. And actually, that puts you as a perfect candidate for the one that God can use. When you realize how unworthy that you are. You realize, God, surely you're going to send somebody else. I'm just, you're going to send me. I'm just not, I'm not fit for this. That's exactly 
the people that God uses. God uses people even in their not-so-great situations to accomplish His purposes. And notice, Paul uses that opportunity that God gives him to share the gospel. He uses that, con- that, that opportunity that God gives him. He doesn't use it on his own comfort. Notice, he doesn't get to Rome and, and say, well, I'm going to focus on my legal defense and I'm going to focus on, on becoming free again. He doesn't say, well, I'm here under house arrest. I'm just going to hang out and be comfortable. No, he gets there and look at what it says in verse 17. After three days, hadn't been there long, after three days, he called some Jewish leaders in so that he could have a conversation with them. And as he does that, notice he, he recounts to them what has happened to him. He tells them the whole story about how he got there. And notice in verse 20 what he says to them. He's not trying to get free. He's not trying to earn brownie points. He's using this opportunity. Verse 20, For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. So much could be said about that one verse, but just notice that he's using this opportunity to redirect his situation to talk about Jesus. He's in chains. The Jews want to hear more. They hear everybody speaking negatively about Christianity. Yes, we want to hear more. And so they set up a time when they could come back and talk to him more. He's using his opportunity. And just like these Jewish leaders that we read about here, there are people all over our parish, all over our state, all over our nation, all over the world, that do not have the hope of Christ. And, and we're not holding out to the world that you know we're going to have a social program that's going to fix this. No, we, we hold out to the world the message that we have and what we know is true about the world is that the world is made up of sinners. That's the problem. We sin. And we hold out to the world the only hope. We hold out to the world you're not going to get hope by your government. Doesn't matter who your leader is, you're, you're not gonna, it's not gonna fix things. The only hope for lost sinners is the hope of the gospel. And listen, because we are surrounded by a world that is perishing without the gospel, we need to see ourselves as missionaries in our everyday lives. In other words, listen, we need to change our focus. To where we don't just see our lives as our own, but we see our lives as, I'm on the mission now. That means when I go to the grocery store, I'm not going to the grocery store to buy groceries. I'm going to the grocery store on mission. I don't go to the gas pump. I don't go to the gas station just to get gas. I go there because I'm on a mission from God. I don't go to work because I I need employment. I go to work because God sent me there to be a missionary. It's not the big missionary guys that God uses. Listen, He does use them. Don't get me wrong. It's everyday people like me and you that God uses. Each and every one of us in this room, if we're in Christ, He'll use us. We should want Him to use us. And and we need 
the Holy Spirit. Listen, the Holy Spirit is still, just like here in the book of Acts, is still raising up people and creating opportunities for us to share. Just like Paul, God is making opportunities out of our situations that are unexpected. For example, in our school system, we see a lawsuit and a settlement that we think, we look at it and we say, man, this situation is bad. We're going to lose our voice to share the gospel with students. But God looks at it and sees doors opening for the gospel to advance. We look at a situation, and we, we may be facing a tough situation at work. We, we look at a situation at work. We look at a job loss. We look at all this and we think this is so bad. But what God sees is Him moving us to another mission field where we are more greatly needed. We look at a hopeless situation where we think, why on earth am I in this situation? God, why did you let this happen to me? And it's because God is giving us an opportunity that we did not have before. Now, I'm not saying that God causes the bad. I'm not saying that God causes the death of a loved one. I'm not saying that God causes cancer. But I'm saying that God in His sovereignty allows and uses it for His glory. And what we think is bad, He turns for good. Use every opportunity that He gives you. No matter how bad it looks, He's giving you an opportunity to proclaim Christ. And so the question that we need to wrestle with this morning is not, how do I get to a new situation The question we need to wrestle with this morning is, what am I going to do with the opportunities that God has given me today? What am I going to do with this situation? Will I use this situation to tell others about Jesus? Or will I use this situation to seek my own comfort and seek my own name? Will I try to make things better for me? Or will I use this to glorify God and tell others about Jesus? So what does it look like to to make the most of these opportunities? What does it look like to do that? It looks like us talking about Jesus in our conversations. Look at what Paul does next. Look at the the, the second part of this passage. Paul talks about Jesus in his conversation. You say, well, isn't that obvious? Uh, it, It is. And we need to be reminded of it. So the the Jewish leaders come back and speak with Paul. He encounters them once again. And and notice what he says in verse 23. They came came to his lodging in greater numbers. These guys are flocking to Paul. He has such an opportunity to share with these guys. God's opened the door for many to hear. Notice it says... Uh, And then the next statement there, from morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God. Paul is not just giving a short three minute gospel presentation, but he is taking all day to share with them from morning till evening, the stamina that he has. My goodness. He says, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets there at the end of verse 23, All of the Bible points to Jesus, and Paul is using the Old Testament to tell them about Jesus. 
We see in Paul's encounter, he is opening his mouth and sharing. And that's exactly what we should do. That's exactly what we should do. Paul trusted the power of the gospel. We see that because look at what happens next in verse 24. It says, And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. Paul believed that if I share this with them, there's going to be some that believe. And listen, church, we've got to still believe in the power of our gospel. We're not just sharing you know, a little snippet of a message. We're sharing the, the, the only hope that people have. And listen, we're sharing a message that the Holy Spirit can take our feeble words and make it land with power on people's hearts. When we share the gospel, God is at work. And Paul believed it. Paul knew that by sharing this, there's going to be some who believe. And listen, we may go day after day sharing Jesus with people and not see fruit. But listen, we need to believe, we need to know that by our sharing, that God is working and that we shouldn't give up because one day we will see fruit. Maybe we won't see it. It'll be there. Paul believed the power of the gospel. Some believed, others didn't. Now listen, I know that most of us are not going to get sent to Rome. Now some of you are like, I, I volunteer, I'll go to Rome. That'd be nice. A little vacation. We're not going to go to Rome and encounter Jewish leaders. In fact, most of us probably are not going to go be sent as missionaries. God's not going to raise up you know, half of us to be missionaries. Now, it'd be great if He did, don't get me wrong. And a lot of times we think that when we share Jesus, it's got to be some big act. That it's got to be something huge. But actually, however, the way the gospel spreads, listen, is through everyday conversations. Everyday conversations. Not necessarily some big effort, but it's just everyday conversations as you're talking to people. So the question is, what do I talk about in my everyday conversations? What do you talk about? Do you ever talk about Jesus? Do you ever work Him into the conversation? I noticed a few years ago when I became a parent, and this is really true about all parents and especially grandparents. We find ways to talk about our, our kids, don't we? I mean, my goodness, you can be talking to a complete stranger. And next thing you know, you're, you're sitting there with your phone scrolling through pictures saying, look at my kids, look at my grandkids. They're such and such old. They got this for Christmas. They like to do this. And we just start talking about it. I mean, we, we probably overshare you know, this is my kid. They live at such and such an address. My goodness, we like to share about our kids. We like to talk about our kids. Why do we do that? Are we just asking for somebody maybe to show up at our door one day? No. We talk about our kids. We talk about our grandkids because they're important to us. Because they're the most important thing to us. And so it just naturally, I mean, you don't have to force it. It just comes out. 
You talk to me very long, you're going to hear about my kids. You're going to see my phone come out and me show you pictures of my kids. We share, we talk about what's important to us. And so, listen, is Jesus important enough to us for us to talk about? And I think that's the heart of the issue. A lot of times we don't talk about Jesus in our conversations, Christians, because He's really not that important to us. We really don't treasure Him like that. And so, of course, we don't talk about Him. Of course, we don't share Jesus with other people. Because at the end of the day, He's not important to us. Let's take it a step further. Not just is Jesus important enough for us to talk about, but I think we're in the Bible Belt. We're in the place where everybody says, I'm a Christian. Let's take it a step further and ask this. Not just are you willing to talk about Jesus, is He that important to you? Is Jesus important enough to you that you would actually go and live for Him? Is Jesus important enough to you that when you leave this place, when you get outside of these four walls, that you still think about Him? You still follow Him? Listen, if your walk with Jesus is is about you coming to church and you sitting in this place, then you're not going to talk about Jesus. You're not going to live for Jesus. You're not going to treasure Him. And listen, if Jesus is not that important to you, I submit to you this morning, maybe it's because you're not a Christian. When Jesus saves us, He transforms us so that we treasure Him. Now, we struggle. There are times where I don't treasure Him near as much as I should. But the real thing is, we should treasure Him. He should be that important to us that it's not difficult for us It doesn't take people long when they get to know us for us to talk about our Jesus. Maybe even more than we do our kids. The final thing we see happening here is Paul staying in Rome for two years. Paul is staying in Rome for two years. Notice in the next verse here as we transition to the final point of application. Verse 30, He lived there two whole years at His own expense and welcomed all who came to Him. Two whole years He stayed there. And He welcomed all who came to Him. And the picture here, of course, is Paul is busy. He's under house arrest. He can't go anywhere. I mean, for me and you, I'd be thinking that's a great time to catch up on Netflix. It's a great time to watch Doctor Who. Paul's using this opportunity to welcome people, to talk to them. Paul, notice next, is bold. He is, in verse 31, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. The book ends by telling us that Paul is there with boldness and proclaiming the gospel without hindrance. Where does this boldness come from? All through the book of Acts, we see ordinary guys and ladies speaking with boldness. In fact, Peter, the Apostle Peter, 
is so uneloquent that people hear him speaking so boldly and they're like, why? How is this possible? You're uneducated. You don't know anything about rhetoric and here you are speaking with boldness. This is what in chapter 4, the believers during persecution, they come together and they pray for boldness. Acts 4, 29. And now, Lord, they pray, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs or wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And listen, they, they get done praying. When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. It shook. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. You know, we see the Holy Spirit and we think, man, you know, that means tongues, right? That means these miraculous gifts. That, that, yeah, I would say you know, that, that could be true. But the real sign of the Holy Spirit, you want to know what it is? You want to know when the Holy Spirit really indwells us and really fills us? You, know, you want to know what happens? We become bold witnesses. It's not about all this other stuff. It's about us being bold witnesses for Christ. And all throughout the book of Acts, they are filled with this Holy Spirit boldness. Do we want that kind of boldness? We need to ask God for it. Just like they did in chapter 4. That's why Paul has that level of boldness, not because he's just a bold guy. From all accounts, he's actually timid. But he gets his boldness because God gives it to him. He asks for it. He prays for it. And listen, if we're going to be on this mission, if we're going to do it with boldness, then we need God's help. We need the Holy Spirit to do it. We can't do it on our own. And so that should leave us in a place of begging. Lord, would you fill me with boldness? Lord, would you work through me? And then that's it. The letter or the book ends. Very abruptly. What happens to Paul? It doesn't say. Now, to fill in the gaps for you, history tells us that he's successful in his appeal. That he finally gets out of, of house arrest. He's finally cleared. And from all accounts that we have, he goes on to Spain. Now, just a geography lesson for you. Spain is further to the west, way off from where the gospel started. So just notice that in all of this, God is orchestrating this whole thing so that the greatest missionary with the greatest gospel could go to Rome, the center of the known world at the time, the place where everybody connected, we know that there were converts made while he was there. And then God uses this situation to then send this greatest missionary with the greatest gospel to Spain. Basically to a place way off the map where the gospel was not. God uses this situation to do that. But why doesn't the book tell about that? Right? That would be the greatest thing, right? If it just says... And he went on to Spain. And then he was arrested again and eventually beheaded. There's no formal ending to the book. 
Maybe, some say, when the book is written, those events haven't happened yet. Pretty compelling, probably the case. But couldn't it have been added later? Don't you think if Luke was writing this book, that he wouldn't just end it so abruptly that he would at least wait to see what happened? Or maybe he, under the inspiration of the Spirit, would come back later and put a note, this is what happened to Paul? I think there's no formal ending because if there was an ending to the book of Acts, like we expect endings where you tie up all the loose ends, the story is over. The readers from that first century until today would say, well, it's, it's done, it's over. But there's no ending to the book because the book did not end. And here we are 2,000 years later carrying on the mission from the end of Acts 28. Listen, church, we are Acts 29. We continue the mission. And as we start a new year, 2019, we need to be reminded what we're here for. We are a people on a mission. And that mission is to share the gospel. To see the gospel march forward. Or maybe I should put it a different way. The gospel came to us, one pastor says, because it was heading for somebody else. Think about that. Why did the gospel come to us? Because it was going somewhere else. Who will find the hope of Christ as the gospel goes from me to other people? I look at 2019 at the beginning of the year, the very first Sunday of the year, and I wonder, what would God be pleased to do with this church in 2019? What would God be pleased to do with me? What would He be pleased to do with you in 2019? And church, I am convinced that, that this could be the year where we finally break free from the bonds that hold us back and we see people come to Christ in great numbers. This could be the year where we turn the world upside down with the gospel. This could be the year where we see those people that we've been witnessing to for years finally come to faith. And listen, church, we can build new buildings. We can embark on a, on a, on a building plan. We can change all of these things. We can make this church nice and comfortable. We can remodel. We can do all of these things. But listen, if the mission of 2019 is not the mission of Acts, we're on the wrong path. And I said it last year, and I'll say it again. If we're not going to be about the mission, let's put a swimming pool in the back. Maybe a golf course out in the field. Buy the field, put a golf course out there. And then change the sign to country club instead of church. Because if we are not on this mission, that's what we are. We're just a place where people can come, consumers can come, 
and get benefited. The church is not a place for consumers. The church is not a place for preferences. Why? Because the church is on a mission. So therefore, we need to make the most of the opportunities that God gives us. We need to see all of life as divinely orchestrated, divinely allowed, and use those opportunities. We need to work Jesus into our everyday conversations because He's worth it to us. We need to pray for boldness because that's the only way that we will go is with His help. The mission of Acts continues in the church today. You know, we're, we're talking about what God could do with our church in 2019. Before we get to that point, probably for some of us, we, there's a few other questions that we ought to ask. There's a few things that we, before we get to the point of, am I going to live on mission, we have to ask, you know, maybe you're here this morning and you're not even a Christian. You hear me talking about mission and you're like, what, what are you talking about? And l- listen, this mission that we're on is not just like a mission that we're on and, and you're excluded from it. No, we actually want you to come and, and know this Jesus that we're proclaiming. To be as we are, as Paul says. To be transformed, to be forgiven, to be changed. And if that's you this morning, we beg you to embrace this gospel. We beg you to make 2019 the year where you finally say yes to Jesus and to stop running. But there's a great many of us in this room that for us, before we even start on the mission, we need to get out of our comfort zone. Before we even start on this this mission, we need to reshape how we think. We we think that, man, I'm just going to come to church and that's the end of it. And maybe even for some of us, you may even think you're a Christian and 2019 may be the time, even today may be the time where you say, you know what, I'm not treasuring Jesus. I don't even think I truly received Him. And to receive Him for the first time. For others, before we get on the mission, some of us need to repent. Some of us are going to struggle with the mission. We're going to struggle telling others about Jesus because we ourselves live in sin. Whatever holds us back from the mission, let us throw it off. Let us throw it off and let us live on mission for our King. Let us pursue Christ above all else. And let us tell others about the hope that we have in Him. Father, we are grateful. We are grateful, Lord, because we know that we are so unworthy. Lord, we know that of all the, the, the methods that you could use to save the world, to, to bring the message of, of Christ to the world, you could do it through so many, so much more effective ways than, than using us, as weak and as frail as we are. But Lord, you still choose to use us. And we stand in awe because we know how unworthy we are. We struggle. We struggle with sin. Lord, we struggle 
Lord, help us to see that you use struggling people, you use weak people to accomplish your purposes. That right when we think that we cannot go, that we cannot tell others because we're so weak, that's exactly where we need to be. That's exactly the people that you use. Not people who think they have it all together, but people who realize that they don't. So Lord, help us this morning, and not just this morning, but as we go from this place, Lord, to say just like the song, that wherever you lead, 